When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there. I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Small Over podcast. The only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Small Over Podcast. Small Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods, the Google Store and lots of other podcast arenas. This week, finally, we're back to a full house. The houseway's favourite, the farm vet is back, looking very mm. cold in his garage. Phil, welcome Thank you. Yeah, um, there is there is heating in the garage, but it takes about an hour to warm up. So there's really not much point in me doing it. And and you're sounding exceptional, Phil. Have you got yourself got yourself some new broadband? I have. I have. I pimped pimped my Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, thanks to the good people at Cornwall Development Council. I've got a lovely shiny 4G antenna on the outside of the garage that's currently giving me about 80 meg broadband, which is uh, about 100 times what I was getting before. What a great time to be alive. Um, I'm also joined by uh, the Lensman. How you doing, Doug? I'm all right. How are you? Just just all right. Standard. Yeah. Solid six out of ten. Oh, yeah. No change there then. And nope. um, and the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting, Ben Eustace, live from his kitchen in uh, Goonavon. Welcome, Ben. Uh, hello, mate. Are you well? Yeah, with, yeah. Probably... very keen to know about what's going on in our lives, yeah. isn't he? Not telling us a lot about what's going on in his. Oh, I'm, I'm with Doug. On, on any given day, I'm a six of ten. Six of ten. Were well, you a hoodie yeah. on? Just keeping warm yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. Do you, just... Doug, do you think that's because Russ is uh, currently on, on self-secondment in his little office? Yeah, no, he, he claims there's a reason for that, but I'm not sure I'd buy it. I think they've oh. just had enough. <laughs> what, the family? All yeah. of them. Get rid of him. <laughs> They've collectively. I mean, I've been I've been to that there London for a couple of days, and uh, I come back to find that potentially my whole family's got COVID. So uh, that's cool. You've you've been in London for a couple of days, and you did think to say 
All right, Dougie. Shall I stay an extra day and have a game of golf with you? I can't. I I can't. I could literally couldn't do that. Like I just, it Why was not? impossible for me to logistically sort it out. Um, but what I will I don't say, believe you. What, I do what, not believe you. <laughs> well, it's true. These I don't, are facts. Russ, I do not believe you. You don't believe a word I say, anyway. No. Um, literally, don't believe a word I say. Where did you stay in London? Uh, I stayed at the um, club quarters in St Paul's. Unbelievable. Why is it unbelievable? I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been I've been doing some um, door-to-door marketing stroke sales for work. And we don't often do this sort of stuff. But I spent <laughs> I spent some time wandering the streets of, of Kensington and Holland Park. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for those of you that know London, it's scaring, scaring people. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think I may well have had better facts because, you know, people didn't really want to talk to me. But um, I mean, those areas are pretty posh. Just just putting it out there like houses of which I've never seen before. And then today on the flip side of the coin, I was in Hackney. What I, I was going to say, this- about, what I don't understand about that is. Surely everybody knows who BT are already. What are you getting out <laughs> of like, don't, viral don't, marketing? I don't work for BT, mate. Don't work for BT. So, Open reach. Well, like, let's not give every, let's not give it all away, right? You know, we've, we've got lives outside. Of... We've got lives outside of a podcast, right? We all know that you're a video camera operator. Okay. We know that Phil's a farm vet, maybe not a farm vet, sometimes a farm vet. And we know Ben does a little bit with computers here and there. Like, computers and kids computer oh what <laughs> wow i mean <laughs> to be honest well, i thought ben was a students. farmer that's a revelation i mean ben ben is from farming stock but is uh is not a farmer per se ben is, is that right that's that's correct yeah that's that's tim's job i mean tim, uh, tim I ben's brother ben's brother is into ben's brother's into hard work and graft Whereas ben... Yeah, it became, became <laughs> apparent many, many years ago that one of us was practical and one of us wasn't. And I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to work that one out. Okay. I've just got visions of, of like an episode of Made in Chelsea in about eight months' time. And Tarquin says to Cressida or something like, oh, I can't <laughs> believe Dan Cole was trying to sell me broadband yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> A fat Dan Cole. A really poor. <laughs> the weirdest ugly. thing happened the other day. This <laughs> this uh, weird looking Dan Coley kind of guy tried to sell me some open reach. Don't even know what that is. You you wouldn't believe that a man was walking the streets of Kensington and his head was on upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't How much is not... a pound of open reach, by the way? Oh, I mean, who knows? Literally, Surely you knows? sell it in liters. Surely. Uh, killer jewels Dan, Dan, Dan Cole my good man sell me a pound of your finest open reach <laughs> have a litre of broadband please <laughs> no, it'd be more than £1.50 a litre that's the same I mean I don't know how we got onto this but uh, anyway anyway, I've come back from that there London and uh, we've we've got a bit of a Covid scare in the family and you know I'm uh, I'm negative uh, I'm quite certain of that. Having done a test, how was your COVID test? 
my COVID test was negative. But the... that was a banter, Russ. You missed it. Oh, I mean, we missed quite a bit of each other's banter last week, if, if you noticed that. And that was did, that was yeah. fed that was fed back to us. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's happening in my life, and I'm living in the den now for a little bit. See what happens. Um, You'll probably prefer it. I've, I've absolutely no doubt. Uh, should we talk about some rugby? Should we start off with? Um, let's start off with the match point, the match point predictor, and we'll go through. We're going to do some predictions um, tonight, like the money lines that we did last week. Uh, thanks to Doug, we got some good feedback on that. But it looks like, according to Matchpoint, more than 1,500 additional pubs have been added where you can claim your free Guinness. I think I've got five free free Guinness. So I've, gin, I've got five Guinness ready for uh, ready for consumption whenever wherever I feel like I can claim them. Um, one of our league in the Mall Over League at the top is a guy called Christian Cox, who got 96 points. To an overall score of 144, they lead they lead the, the all over league, and uh, they currently sit second globally. So not only in the first week did we have somebody that was top globally, we now have somebody that sits second globally in the all over league, which is pretty decent, really, considering of uh, you know who we are. Um, if you missed the first couple of weeks, there's still chances to win. So join in on Match Point, search them all over. There's six more games to do this week. Uh, and we will go through them and let you know what we are predicted for this week. And the winner at the end of the series will get some free stash, some uh, like a ball, signed ball or something, match ball, and that'd be decent. So Italy, Argentina, Scotland, South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand, England, Australia, France, Georgia, Wales, Fiji, and definitely not Belgium versus Canada or Namibia versus Kenya or Brazil versus Zimbabwe. Although... I'd quite like to watch some of those games. Um, and there's no premiership this week, so we don't have to waste our time talking about premiership cup either. So that's pretty decent. Um, but without any sort of further ado, um, now that we've started with Morlo, um, with Match Point and any other business, apparently, um, I'm going to hand you over to the Lensman, our resident curmudgeon, who is going to kick us off with um, some money line stuff. And we're going to talk Why about we some games. With, um, we're just going to go. We've got a couple of decent games. Uh, well, we've got two decent games, I would say. Uh, yeah, two <clears> decent, <throat> decent games. One that no one's going to really care about. And then two other games. So why don't we start with the one that nobody cares about and go for Wales against Fiji. <laughs> Great start. I mean, I tell you who does care about it, right? The collective bedwetters across the Seven Bridge, who, who had, I mean, was is there anything more glorious than that pitch invader on Saturday? Oh, just uh, the only thing more glorious is is just how utterly, utterly, utterly. I just burped. That's why I kept saying utterly ridiculous. The amount of uh, vitriol that's come out about it. it it's. Oh. I mean, I've seen burn down his house, sack him from his job. Sack him, uh, sack him ca- from his job for getting pissed up at the rugby and doing something stupid. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it makes me laugh. Like, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if it was Lions summer 2021, Liam Williams running in the corner, it wouldn't have been a try anyway. Because he was basically a 
chode for the entire yeah, tour. Dropped it. Um, it wouldn't have been a try anyway because there were two. I, I actually no. Nah, I there's actually no think, way he was scoring that. Mate, no it was a, there was a two on. It was a two on one, and he was in in the corner. I'm I'm almost certain of it. But to see him lose his shit as matey boy, you got what, where were the stewards? Right, where, because they weren't they weren't stewards dragging him off either, were they? They were like yeah, it was ball boys or something, wasn't it? Or, or here's the thing, kit men or something. Um, rugby often sort of lo- likes to shout from the rooftops about how it's got the best values and with this and with that, and we're we're so virtuous about how much better than everything else we are as rugby fans. Yeah a bloke gets a little bit tanked up and what runs onto a pitch and everyone's st- saying he should be strung up from a fucking seven bridge. It's like, can we just, can we please maybe just have a little bit of respect, uh, a, a bit of um, perspective because the amount of podcast minutes and hours that have been spent talking about this fucking Wally, <laughs> it, it, it beggars belief really. No one's talking about the game. Another game that Wales fucked yeah. up. Yeah. You know, that, it's Jarvo's just, fault. I, I think potentially if Wales worried more about getting players that weren't 37 years old into their starting lineup and having a competitive league system, they might start winning some of these games and not have to piss their pants about a bloke who ran onto the pitch because he, he'd been bet by his mate, which, let's face it, we probably all would have done it for half the amount of money you did it for. What was the what was the total? twenty quid, weren't it? Was it twenty bucks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a lad! Did you see him being marshaled around the pitch, right? And the poor people that were frog marching him around, the guy, the people that dragged him off, people were literally hoying beers uh, at uh, him. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. I'm um, luckily, luckily, you got um, interneted there because you just dropped to the L word. Did I? And there were mild accusations that potentially we were doing it on purpose. Well, no, the, advertising. The, there were mild accusations that we were doing it on purpose. And I and I actually messaged JB and said, I wish I was clever enough <laughs> to be dropping it in on purpose because it just, just kind of slips out. But you're out. literally not. Uh, well, you can say that. I'm going to do my best not to say that word one bit at all. But they were throwing... The, did you see them throwing beers over the over him as he was being ushered out and which is just people... bloody ridiculous ridiculous with the price of beers in a room exactly I, I was just gonna say the same thing yeah. and i would yeah. not be throwing that shit over anyone i mean um, unless it unless it was brains which actually tastes like shit did not, um, not literally taste like shit it actually, actually tastes like shit. did yeah. you uh did you see the um pitch invader in the island japan javo i was it javo again was it Stood on the end of the Japanese line for the national anthem. He did. He, he was at like he, he was at New Zealand, wasn't he? New Zealand Wales. He was at the test New matches in the summer, wasn't he? In the cricket and yeah. I mean, he people are, are blaming him for the this for oh. the copycats, but I mean, he's he's got. But people have been running more, on the pitch for there's fucking a lot more, ever. There's a lot more finesse about what he's doing in terms of full kit wanker stood on the yeah. end of the line pretending to sing the national anthem with them than just bolting on the pitch. You've got to ask yourself the question. This guy's been doing it now. Literally, he's been doing it now the it's whole of the, the whole For of literally year. years. Well, he's, he's been doing it all year. Like I say, he was doing it at the test match. He did it. New Z, he did it at the Millennium Stadium last week. So he's done it in Ireland that, that, that last week. Like surely people know who he is now. 
like look out for him or get some decent stewards. But like, no, yeah, but I, I, the point I was making was when he does it, there's there's a degree of finesse about it. He goes and he stands on the line. He's not just bolting on the pitch from the from the sidelines in the middle of the game. I I think it's quite humorous what he's doing. Um, the other I mean, it guy, was the first time but it's the same joke over and over yeah. again isn't it well there's many a comedians made a living out of telling the same well joke very over true over again. very true but um yeah he needs to probably just get over himself now yeah it's, it's a bit boring now and but you know let's say people have been running on the pitch for li- literally decades God, what is wrong with your brain it's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> Uh, I can't stop. I literally I can't stop. Oh! We should <laughs> we, we should just go back and bleep them all out. I think this might be the end of the uh, podcast. <laughs> I can't believe he just said I literally can't stop. <laughs> I, I mean, and ironically, that is the most correct use he's used it. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> he he actually, literally cannot stop. In in context. I just yeah, I'm I don't know what to do to, to to wean it out of my vocabulary, but I need to do something. So I'll, I'll, I'll take whatever you did to get rid of the hair. Do that. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, if ever there was a clearer demonstration that this is not staged, it's this. Um, Um, Go on. Anyway, Wales, Wales, what what are we saying about the result of this one then? What? Can we not? We're not talking about Wales, South Africa a little bit more because Wales. You did, can if you want. Wales did talk about it all you like, mate. Wales it's did balls. It, it's Ben's. We all know it's Ben's. <laughs> um, how Wales managed to to fuck it up is beyond me. Um, other than the the pitch invader, they they played South Africa at their own game. They played it well. The likes of and I was, I mean coming back from the uh, international wilderness from injury, I thought Ellis Jenkins was absolutely brilliant. He was all over the place. Him and Wainwright in that back row were top draw. Um, Wales, they just, they conspired to, to not be able to get it done. And frustratingly for Wales, South Africa weren't anything special, which has got to please England looking ahead for a couple of weeks. Uh, but it was a I real... They were better um, once they bought the um, second choice or whatever they want to call it, back row, uh, front row on. I think they improved once they bought them on. But I just I didn't think South Africa kicked very well. And if you're going to play a game with that much kicking, then you probably ought to kick better. Um, they got better. Been watching the Lions for too long. Uh, they got better, um, didn't they? Yeah, I mean... Um, you know, there were some good performances from out there, but I didn't think Pollard had his best game. Um, and um, the, the, the scrum half didn't have a particularly good game either. No. Um, so, you know, that sort of held them back a little bit. There was a great tackle by Khaleesi towards, you know, in the first, I think it was in the first half. And Cracker Smith looked more at home in on the flank than he did at eight against the Lions, I think. He's a proper um, South Africa. He's, he's a proper South African as well, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he, he is very, very good. Like, I've been really impressed with it. And who knew that Franz Stein was still alive? Like, that guy yeah. seems to... Have... And 
still knocking Had over the old Franstein. Yeah, and he's still knocking over sixty meter penalties. It's just that was a strike, wasn't it? Literally. Ah! Ah! You're such a dick. Carry on, please. Um, but yeah, Rust was right about um, Ellis Jenkins. Three... He was brilliant. Basham had another good game. He's just been around forever, isn't he? Yes, he he's been around yeah. for about fifteen years. Um, he's a bit like Mornay stayed, isn't he? Just been like he's been around forever. Oh, quite hard gosh. to get rid of, aren't they, Staines? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That one's going to go down well. <laughs> I love, love that. So... Long time fans will love that. Right. Let's let's do the uh, the money line for way uh, Wales Fiji. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Phil? So, Phil, who you got? Uh, Wales by 22. I think that I think it'll be relatively easy for them in the end, but I think they'll Rusty. make a bit of, bit of a meal of it to start with. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Fiji sort of limped past Spain last week, didn't they? But I think Wales will have too much for them. Depending on what sort of side they pick, I've got Wales by 24. And um, Ben? I've got Wales by whatever I said in the text. 12, was it? Why don't you read the text? Because the whole idea is that you say it <laughs> for the purposes of a joke. <laughs> um, you said Wales by 12, Benjamin. I did, yeah. And it is actually Wales by 14. So Ben wins that one. Of course he does. After having downloaded the Betfair app last week. <laughs> Um, on to slightly more entertaining games. Italy against Argentina. Argentina played all right against France, didn't they? Did anyone watch that? I, I didn't, but I heard it was it was a bit of a bit of a dust up, wasn't it? By all accounts, yeah, it was. Um, Argentina very aggressive, and France not taking many backward steps. So you can imagine the outcome. Um, you'd think they'd be more friendly, given their history with the Falklands and all that. I mean, um, I don't, don't mind Don't an aggressive. Cool. Don't mind an aggressive Argentine. Italy also were pretty impressive against New Zealand in the first half. Uh, albeit New Zealand helped them by being muppets, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to be as as one sided as you may initially have thought. Thing is, Italy in any game that you go into where you give Italy half a chance, they usually find a way to fuck it up. Yeah. Whereas, absolutely. whereas Argentina, you just think they will have too much. I mean, putting 20 points on France makes me think that they will inevitably have too much for Italy in the long run. But it could be, it could be a good game. The thing where Argentina will, will be better than Italy and probably dominate them is just physically. They will just try and they will just try and beat them up and and run them and then run them ragged afterwards. Whereas you know the French is that's the French's game now as well to a certain extent. I think yeah, the French are fast becoming the best team in the world, aren't they? They've just got seemingly limitless resources and they they seem to be churning out players for fun now. So. That that's why I can't wait for the, two, the, la- two the last two round of games. Who, two pro leagues. 
Who knew that by uh, investing in your second-tier rugby, it would pay dividends for your international team? Funny that. Two, two pro leagues with promotion and relegation, and they've finally got a management structure at an international level that works. Yeah, and they've also... Who knew? Also, they haven't now got an absolute raft of past-it-overseas talent. You know, like Toulon used to dominate it with... <laughs> With overseas South Africa, with South Africans and Australians and people that were on the borderline of of milking a cash cow, yeah, um, they're, they're the all actual going for the LA guilty. Well, know, instead. Uh, absolutely, but but the French league is is now jam packed full of French, French talent and French youngsters being and and emerging talent and you know yes there are foreigners foreign players in France. But I bet, I bet if you were looking, there wouldn't be maybe half as many as there were there have been previously, and uh, that's that's also going to help to pay dividends uh, for the French moving forward. And like Doug said, they are fast becoming the best team in the world, and I can't wait for next Saturday when they play New Zealand. Which I is actually be think that if they carry on in this trajectory and keep producing players like they are, they're going to be a real threat to New Zealand. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. The sheer volume of players that they can produce to be playing at effectively a, a premiership slash super rugby level where that second tier of French rugby, those teams don't come up and just get pasted every week. They compete in the top 14. Well, I think the French way or the French league is almost a perfect blend between the the grit and determination of the premiership and the, the flair and excitement of the super rugby, it, it kind of balances off. And there are, you know, the, there are a large amount of those French teams that are all very similar in skill and ability, and they can all kind of beat each other. And well, so I've just where... picked, I've just picked a random match from last week. Oh, no, well, it was from a while ago, actually. It's Toulon Montpellier. Um, and, of the starters, 60% of Toulon's are French and 73% of Montpellier's are French. Quick maths as well. Decent. I mean, how long how long would it have been a go when how long would it have been a go when Toulon's team would have been 30% French? Not long five, ago. Five five years ago, four years ago, something like that. So you know, it's it's clearly it's clearly working, and structure is is the way forward, isn't it? So there we go. Right, money line then. Argentina I'm talking about France previewing it's the Argentina. Argentina. Fuck knows. Fuck knows. Well, give me give me what you got, um, Phil. Argentina by nine. Russ. Uh, I think I've got Argentina by 10. And Ben? Argentina by 32. Well, Ben, you're miles off. Phil, it's actually Argentina by eight, favoured by the bookies. So Phil's going to get that one to level it up with Ben. But Argentina against Italy. They think it's going to be that close. Yep. Um, we've been very close to each other so far, Russ. I mean, I'm not surprised by that, I've got to be honest. No, I wouldn't worry about no, it. Noteworthy. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, we 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 were just trying to preview Argentina versus Italy and spent eight minutes talking about France. 
So and French rugby. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Or we didn't we didn't specifically talk about France, just French rugby. Before. Well, we only need to skirt. Or should we just go straight into a prediction for France against Georgia? Because let's be honest, none of us are going to watch it. That's true. France by thirty. France by forty-two. Ben. France by fifty-two. Uh, Phil is going to get that one as well. France by 42. Uh, France by 38. So, just a quick bit of maths. That's 2 1 to Phil so far out of the three games. uh, Russ, it's fast becoming apparent that you are terrible at this game. Uh, I mean, (laughs) that's true. I'm not very good at predicting. Now you're in in a position where if you out of nowhere win a week, I'm just going to think you cheated. (laughs) (laughs) hold on Mr Betfair Uh, um, Ireland New Zealand New Zealand obviously uh, did New Zealand play last week they played Italy they played Italy struggled in the first half and then everything clicked in the second half and it ended up being a bit of a humpage did you watch it Uh, I kind of watched the first half and my kids watched the second half and told me about it wow I mean, maybe we should get them into this podcast and we are. Yep. (laughs) Nearly time for James to make his debut. Nearly time for James to get a shovel and come outside and help in the stuff that I need to do instead of watching rugby, the lazy bastard. (laughs) There's nothing like putting your kids to work. (laughs) Do it. Um, Ireland. I mean, they put... 60 odd points. Johnny Japan, Sexton now in his 75th season at uh, of international rugby. I, I thought Japan might have given them half a game at the weekend, but uh, they're they're obviously a, a, a much weakened Japan tour inside. Um, but it was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? Johnny Sexton scoring a try in his 100th appearance and everybody wanking him off like he is an absolute messiah. How hard um, did you bite your tongue? <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. Literally bleeding. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's all I've got to say about it. Uh, I, I, yeah. Japan are a bit of a strange one in that for the right event, they can, they can really put on a bit of a show. And for the wrong event, they just don't seem to, to, click in the same way it's I mean they like I say they have bought a weakened squad haven't they so it's it's not wholly unsurprising but it's if if they're going to be go on I was going to say I was going to say if they if they want to be taken seriously on the world stage then they need to be competing in these sorts of games regularly What's what's the point of having these internationals if teams aren't going to put their first teams out? It's a, it's a great. I, I I I really don't get it. I I don't get why any team come here about their top fifteen players and play them in each game. <laughs> Who won? It, it, it actually enough, surprises me. The only ticket for an international you can get is a Japan game. It's even worse if you're watching third string Japan players. What on earth is the point? It's a great question. It surprises me that Japan have come at all, to be honest. Um, just because of the whole COVID thing, I would have, I would have thought they would um, be trying to limit any potential exposure. But obviously, there's money involved. 
So do they go and send their second team because now we'll take the money, but uh, we're not going to put some of our best players at risk. I don't know. Um, well, that's what it, right. that's what it has to be because you look at the fixtures and you the autumn internationals. England used to play you know, the big the big three, as it were. They would always play New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia. I can't remember the last time we played. New Zealand in this country um, and then there would be a fourth game in lieu of a Barbarians game that would be against one of the um, Southern Island tier teams. two one of the Southern Island teams or a tier two nation um, we played Tonga again England Tonga having not not watched Scotland put 50 odd points on Tonga the week before like the, the whole England Tonga game was pretty pointless Ireland, Japan, pretty much the same. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a full strength Tonga squad, Tonga team. It wasn't a full strength Japan team. So you got to ask, what are England and and Ireland actually getting out of it? Other than Ireland. basically a captain's run, glorified captain's run, cash, and twenty grand uh, each, yeah. and eighty thousand in Twickenham. And there'll be 80,000 people cheering and, and screaming and going, oh, this is great because England have run in 10 tries or 12 tries or whatever it was. But as a rugby fan, it, it wasn't wasn't very good. I mean, the game itself was fucking I terrible. Had, I had four people offer me tickets on the Friday to go to the game on Saturday. And I couldn't go. But the fact that people, people were literally... Oh, sorry. People were trying to give give tickets away. Well, they they were kind of face value jobs. Twenty four hours before shows you what the demand was for that game. People have snapped up tickets and then gone. You know what? I can't be asked going to this. How much was face value? Uh, so two adults and two kids was one hundred and fifty quid. It's not bad for Twickenham, is it? So it's probably 50 quid for an adult, 25 for a kid, something like that. Wales, Fiji was £10. Yeah. And that was for sale. And that's so the that, di- difference, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's what a game like that should be, really. But, but they know they'll sell they'll sell all yeah. the tickets. That's all they care about. That's It's kind of supply and demand. They want as much money as they can get for filling the stadium. Hmm. But anyway, um, are we not supposed to be talking about Ireland, New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, but you know, we can talk about whatever we want, can't we? Really, just you can. it's Ben's <laughs> podcast. Yeah, what do you think, yeah. Ben? What do I think? I think we talk about what we want. Um, I mean, <laughs> this, this is all a little dance just to get to the England game, right? Yeah, that, that's pretty much all we do. Um, so Let's 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 give a prediction for Ireland, New Zealand. Then, do we think there could be any sort of upset? I'll be I honest. I... Ireland get absolutely annihilated. Well, I didn't necessarily understand the entire premise of this prediction, so I kind of went with what I'd like to see, which was New Zealand winning by twenty-five. But I can't see the bookies going for that. I mean, I don't know whether you're going to be far wrong, Philip. Um, I have gone for uh, New Zealand by seventeen. Well, I mean, I don't know how similar the Irish side will be to the one that went out last weekend. Um, 
It's a very strong back row. Yeah, it will be. Well, well some hopefully. of them will be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very strong back row that was going out in that game, which I suppose gives them a chance. But you think pretty much every other unit is outgunned by New Zealand. Um, you know, obviously Furlong is a standout player for Ireland, but, you know, looking at the New Zealand team and the Irish team, you know, there's a lot of areas where New Zealand is stronger. So I've got them by 12. And that's going to be good enough for you, Ben, because it's actually the bookies have got them by 11. Oh, oh there we go. Get in the sea. If you want to guarantee yourself some money, I would take an over the 11 point margin of victory. Uh, if you can find it, whatever the odds are on that, that's what I'd go for. But Ben, that ties you up with Phil at two apiece now. So with two games left, Russ, got work to do, mate. Big fat zero. Work to do, sitting on a big bagel. Scotland, South Africa. Well, South Africa's kicking game, as we've already mentioned against Wales, wasn't great. Um, And Scotland played really well I thought against Australia in patches I couldn't work out I couldn't make up my mind whether it was because Scotland were playing well and putting pressure on Australia or Australia were just really lackluster and it was quite an it was quite an odd game to watch because every time Scotland sort of got going, Australia would would break them up, but then Australia never really got going themselves. Um, But Stuart Hogg looks like he's dropped a pound or two and he looked really fit and he looked really lean and and like he was something about it. Um, Finn Russell kicking, doing crossfield kicks when a simple pass will do. Standard Finn Russell fare, really. Um, Practically reading out what I put on the... uh... Twitter group there. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. He overcooked it by about 10 yards and two passes, the ball's out to the wing. And, so. um, and the likes of Harris and um, Watson were absolutely Sam. solid. But I think, South, I think South Africa will win. I think, I think they'll suffocate Scotland and, and Scotland won't be able to get anything going whatsoever. And every time they make a mistake, South Africa will punish them. An underrated storyline in all this is the um, Townsend playing against South Africa the way he probably wanted to play against South Africa on the Lions tour. It'd be interesting to see if he actually, what his game plan looks like compared to what Gatland made them play like. And whether or not that actually translates to a decent performance and putting South Africa under pressure, because I think I think if um, they, they can only go one way really in this game, can't they, Scotland? They've got to toss it about and have a yeah. bit of a run around. I think you can. I think you can run South Africa around. I genuinely, I genuinely think you can run it around them. And if you're brave enough, and you don't just kick the ball back to them all the time because that's what they want you to do. I think you can get at them. I, I, I genuinely think you can get at them around the sides. And with Van der Merwe, with, um, I mean, Darcy Graham is a, is a very different type of winger. Um, and, and Hogg is pretty elusive. So the worry would be South Africa kicking back like my pimpy, 
to with Darcy Graham if they're on the same side, um, or whether he'll match up directly against Van der Merwe. But if Scotland are brave, I think they've got a chance. But my 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 heart says that that Scotland can do that, and Gregor Townsend, as you rightly say, Doug will will play the way he wants to play or wanted the Lions to play. But I, I just don't think that. I don't think they can do it against South Africa. That's my personal view. Yeah, I think that um, the the game plan that he would have wanted to play with the Lions, uh, if it is the same one that they play on Saturday and it is chucking the ball out wide, I think it would have needed the sort of basis of the Lions pack to work. And I don't know if Scotland's pack has got the hitting power to deal with the Mullen and Etzebeth and and the likes of the rest of the South African pack and the two centres just coming at them constantly. I think it, I think I don't think Scotland's pack's quite meaty enough to cope with that. So they get they you know then they're really um, going to have to throw caution to the winds and, and play like perhaps Australia used to. And I, I don't think that's going to win you a lot of games, especially in Scotland in November. You mean like our friend uh, Lou Diaga? He, I mean, they Lou Diaga. Ooh, 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 Lou Diaga. <laughs> no, well, I've literally no idea what you're on about. Worst performances of any podcast in Britain ever. <laughs> Has Russ just had a stroke? <laughs> I think he might have. It makes me laugh every I time. I just tried not to sing it properly. That's all. Um, I kind of agree with what Ben's saying in that I, I just think the South Africa pack, well, 12 pack, pack and Dale Ende are just going to have too much brute force for Scotland. And yeah, Watson's amazing and as strong as anybody else out there. I, I'm not sure the rest of the pack's going to be strong enough to put up with them. And South Africa will, they'll just change their front row after 45, 50 minutes and bring on another fantastic front row that'll do the same job. Um, and yeah, you look at it and you go, well, that's fine. We just need to get the ball outside them and keep it away from them and get it nice and wide. I think the thing that challenges that is, personally, I think Lucan Yuam is an absolutely fantastic 13 from a defensive perspective. I think he reads the game really, really well. And I don't think they'll find many holes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not holding up much hope for Scotland here. And and it's not to say like that. Scottish pack is all a sort of yeah bad pack I mean like Richie for example is a complete dog but you know I think size wise against the South Africans and maybe dynamism wise a little bit in the front row I don't think they've quite they'll quite match them as a unit I mean Skinner's a fine player but you know Etzebethy ain't correct and there's there's something that you that people who've never played the game won't really understand is every single one of those hits, if they're 2% stronger, they just drain you. They absolutely mm. physically drain you. And I think what you'll see is the the Scots in the first 20 minutes, they'll be they'll be up off the ground in kind of less than half a second. But as they near half time and in the second half, they'll be spending one and a half, two seconds on the ground. And that's just going to give South Africa opportunities to 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 utilise, and it also means that they're not going to be there to help them um, when they do get the ball. Yeah, fair comment. Right, predictions. 
Again, uh, South Africa by eight. Again, didn't entirely understand the premise, um, <laughs> but I think it's probably it might be realistic. Unfortunately, I've gone South Africa by seventeen. Am I to, am I to believe, Phil, that you didn't listen to last week's pod? I don't listen to podcasts about rugby. <laughs> I think that's fairly <laughs> obvious, which is why I listen to Eddie's. <laughs> Uh, uh, South Africa by 14. Russ, I've got in the middle of them. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Doug. I've got six hours in the car tomorrow, so I, I have a load of podcasts lined up for that. Well, last not hours is, is irrelevant. No, 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 not at <laughs> um, Ben gets it again. Uh, South Africa by six is the book. Is South Africa by six? What the fuck is the matter with Betfair? Well, I think they looked at how Scotland performed against Australia and how Wales nearly ran them close and the fact that Scotland were much better than Wales last season in the Six Nations. I don't absolute see that. Absolute bullshit. I love, I love the way you're explaining it, Dougie. It's absolute bullshit, mate. Russell, Russell well, has I, a rhetorical I rant. I don't, I, I don't think that's that, that yeah. odd. I wouldn't be surprised if Scotland won, to be honest. That team of people that get paid to get their scores right can't have any clue what they're doing. You'd be much better off listening to Muppets like us. Yeah, I think Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bet, Mr. Betfair, Mr. Fair has, has I know, got I, it wrong. Would, would you actually, I wouldn't, my overriding feeling about all these South Africa games that they've won, even not maybe since the World maybe the World Cup final, not so much, but I feel like they win, they, they like grind out a win. They never dominate a team. They never, no. It never, it never feels to me like they're streets ahead of anyone. They just the small margins are seeming to bounce for them at the moment. And I think Scotland, if they get their game plan right, I wouldn't be surprised if Scotland annihilated them. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. So, but I can see Scott a, a path to a Scotland win. I can't. No, I can, but I don't think it will happen. I, th- I, I think, think if, but, yeah. if South Africa play like they did on Saturday, Scotland are in with a chance, certainly in patches. But if South Africa bring their A game, maybe just keep hold of the ball a little bit more because they kick the ball away a lot. But at times you just think they'd be better off keeping it because they've got so many big runners. And it's almost like they've they're sort of taking their game plan to the sort of extreme now, um, but I don't. I think they'll be just a little bit more um, consistent in their approach, maybe, and 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 perhaps they they'll know that they can that their sort of best chance of success is to beat Scotland up a bit. So I, I think, yeah, I think they'll they'll and do they're, it. They're going to have too much power for them. Like one. Th- criticism could be leveled at Scotland, which has been something that's been a problem for quite a while, is that they are quite severely underpowered as far as a forward pack go. And that doesn't mean to say they're bad players, but they are just in sheer mass. They are nowhere near as big as the South Africans in general. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's set piece time I think it will be demonstrated you saw the way that South Africa basically decimated that Wales scrum at every opportunity um, I think they'll do the same to Scotland and 
that will be how the game restarts. So there you go. Anyway, I I can't win now. So, so Rush, you can't win now. So game well can done. fuck off. Um, <laughs> let's talk about England Australia. Don't want to. Um, <laughs> as as Russ said earlier, I don't think we learned a huge amount about England from last weekend. I tell you what, we um, did learn. What the fuck is he doing? Starting George Furbank at ten for England. He, he's being Eddie. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I think the the Manu Slade thing worked reasonably well. I think looked electric, which we always know he's going to against um, against non elite defence. Um, we haven't we yet to see him really against elite defence. Um, I think Stewart looked accomplished, and we've all been saying it for probably the last eighteen months that he's the England fullback of the future. Um, the pack had a relatively easy ride of it. I thought Johnny Hill was very good. Um, it's one of the best games I've seen Johnny Hill play. We've learned that Courtney Laws has got a hell of an engine on him, but we kind of knew Did that, we learn anyway. that. Did we not already know that? Uh, yeah, I kind of self-corrected myself there. Um, I, I was surprised by his speed chasing back. Uh, I knew he was quick. I didn't realise he was that quick. Um, I mean, that's a that's a try-saving tackle to to challenge Underhill's try-saving tackle against Wales with the yards that he covered to get there. Um, I, I'm not sure we're going to see a huge amount of changes for the Australia game. Obviously, we'll see a change at 10. Um, there's there's a, there's a thought that it might end up being Smith-Farrell as 10-12, in which case I, I can't see Slade being there. Well, he'll um, miss out when he, he would go into the 23 shirt, probably, if that's the case. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, he has to because Tuilagi looks in absolute top nick, doesn't he? His he looks he looks leaner and fitter than I think I've ever seen Manu Tuilagi look. And I know I said this a couple of weeks ago, or when when he first came back this season for sale when they played Exeter, and he just looks he looks fit and strong. Whereas before, he always looked powerful and maybe like he was carrying a little bit. He looks probably five or six kilos at least lighter and lean, just leaner. He looks leaner and quicker and fitter. Yeah, he looks like he's almost relying a little bit less on bulk, pure power, power rather than you know he's he's just got a bit of his pace back. Um, I, I think he's got Dom, enough power. I think Don Brandt as well looks like he's he's shaped up a bit as well i think he's he's lost a bit of um puppy fat uh and looking a bit trim around the waist but still carrying enough size to be a significant challenge um i think it'll be fairly similar in all honesty australia flattered to to impress against scotland um i think they're they did fairly well in the rugby championship they did fairly well off the back of some players that aren't there at the moment yeah karevi and um Cooper. Quade Cooper. Yeah. I think um, well what Australia will lack is is just that spark, that creative spark that they might need when the chips are down. I think that's what they lacked well, against against Scotland. It was just that that somebody to do something special, somebody to pull something out. And I tell you who I am really impressed with is the is the 13 Ikatau. I think yeah. he is really good. Good good player. James O'Connor, I see a bit like um, 
Matt Tate in that he came on to the scene, all guns blazing, all amazing, and then just couldn't really work out how he wants to play or what he wants to do afterwards. I, he really doesn't impress me all that much as a as a ten. Um, so yeah, I I think England will probably win it moderately comfortably. He's not a he's not a natural ten, is he, James O'Connor? He, no. he's, he's like a. It's almost like he's. It's like having a much more experienced bank, isn't it? That's yeah. Really? That's exactly what I would I would suggest. And this is the, nothing about um, George thought, but, but, No, I thought he did okay, but it's just a bit of a bizarre situation where he's starting. I know there was all these, you know, questions marks about Smith having a knock and not having trained quite as much, but I don't know. I mean, just the way forward. The way Ford's playing, Ford should be in the squad. There's no, there's no doubt about it, and that would have been fairly seamless but if he'd come in there. I think we've we've we, we've been over this. We've we've seen the we've we've seen England with George Ford, Noah Farrell playing ten and twelve, and we know it's not good enough to win a World Cup. So to try it again is stupid. So I think. What he, what it is trying. This is the one occasion I actually feel like I can sort of understand what it is trying to do with Marcus Smith. He doesn't just want to throw him in and crown him the next bloke because he doesn't want him to get the Cipriani's, where he believes his own hype, doesn't train as hard. He wants him to make him feel wants to make it feel. I think he wants to make Smith feel like he's earned that position. He hasn't just been kissed in as the next next great thing so I can sort of understand that and I can sort of understand why he hasn't picked Ford because when it come to it and Ford was on the back foot against that South Africa side he didn't have the answers and the chances are that that's going to happen again in the World Cup next time round so you need to get a different outlook and way of playing and as great as Ford might be this year he's playing in a team that's top of the league and are dominating everyone up front. But so from, it's the same old story for Ford, isn't it? He looks brilliant in that scenario. So so I get that in terms of the initial squad announcement. You've got two tens there, you've got you've got Farrell and Smith. But when Smith got an injury that where there's a question about whether he can play or not, it wouldn't have been that hard to give George Ford a ring and say, We might need you what, for to what end Saturday. What is the, that? To the, what to is that? the end because that you don't end up playing George Furbank at 10. But I don't and, think yeah, he did. did anything wrong. And no, he, no, you're right. He didn't do anything wrong. It would, wrong. Actually, be, but, uh, on it would a different... actually be sensible to have someone like Furbank in a World Cup squad who can cover off wing, fullback and 10 than bring back a player that you know you're not going to take to the World Cup anyway. I do think we... it, was, it was a sensible thing to do. And Furbank's been playing 10 for Saints two or three times this season. Is is widely regarded uh, by. He started three matches for Saints at ten. Allegedly, Eddie Jones' request. Right, three of seven. So he's um, played fifty percent of the games for Saints at ten. Yeah. So, right, so let's let's put let's put a slightly different spin on this. Furbank's been training all week at, at fifteen. I don't know. He might have been training at ten, but I'd be very much surprised. He's been training all week at fifteen. He gets thrown in at ten, and he has a shocking game, and his confidence gets shot. And you end up taking somebody who's got potential to be in that next World Cup squad and putting him back a few steps. That's but that's that didn't the happen. end. No, it didn't happen. But that's the risk, and that's why in that situation, I think sticking George Ford in would have been a better option. Actually, the best option would be playing Smith from the start. But well, I, like, I don't. 
I don't. Smith didn't train. Smith didn't train or whatever. But he would have been watching. I I just have. There's absolutely no reason to have got. The the answer would have been to have got in someone like Finn Smith or um, Joe Simmons. I know he's not been playing very well. Or the lad of wasps. But at the point at the point when Farrell's test goes positive on the Friday, those guys know know absolutely nothing about the England setup. And and well, nor does Ford. Ford's been out of it. Of course, he does. Ford's been out of it as much as everyone else. Phil, do you think they've changed that much since Ford was last in the England team? Well, clearly, otherwise, they, like the, the larger point, Eddie's decided clearly that he wants to move on from George Ford. So to bring him in is completely counterproductive. It does nothing for anybody. I, dis- I disagree, but I I think completely discounting him is ridiculous. I think in any squad. All right, maybe not a squad for autumn internationals, but if you were going to the World Cup, you you should be taking forward. I mean, I take he's your point about he's the not South. Going to ben. Yeah, well, yeah, but I've decided I would. <laughs> but, and it's my podcast, so I get to do what I want. But ultimately, this <laughs> this situation, Dougie, is as a result of the last three years of him only taking Ford and Farrell. So there is nobody else who who understands the 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 setup and the situation and, and the. And then Marcus Smith is coming through as that next option, which should have happened a year ago. Joe Simmons should probably have been given a, a reasonable amount of time in the squad to learn it so that you've got options. In the same way that in the lead up to the World Cup, we had, what do we have, Youngs and Robson as our nines options. And that was it because nobody else had been near a squad for two or three years. Um, I mean, and then, and then we has, don't have... how many games has, how many games has Simmons started at 10 for Exeter this season? Uh, one. Oh, Right, so Furbank's but, got a better claim to be a ten than Joe Simmons. I'm not well. I'm not sure I would agree with that. Three out of seven versus one out of of however many seven. There's, no, because he's played no, no. three times as many games at ten as Joe. No, Simmons. he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He started Only this season. He started three Joe, times. Joe Simmons as many has games played quite a few before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but the argument was that 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 Furbank didn't deserve to be started at ten because he's not a ten when he's played half of his games. He's this played. Season. He's as played well three matches last season. Three matches. This no, he season. started. He started three matches total at Northampton at ten. That's fundamentally that's, incorrect. That's I'm, that's the I figure don't... that somebody who went through it looked and found out. But and and I'll and I'll check it. But Joe Simmons has played a, a lot more games at fly half than George Furbank has. I'm not it's saying. It's always. I'm not saying that, Phil. I'm not saying Joe Simmons was the right person to bring in for that match on Saturday, he was absolutely the wrong person because he's not even in the squad. But Norse George Ford. No, but George Ford has been in and around that squad long enough and knows Eddie well enough that he would have been able to step in and do a job. Oh, okay. At- so if, um, if we lose a back row, do we bring in James Haskell? Because he's been in and around the squad more than Tom no, when, Bloody Willis. No, because Tom Willis argument, is mate. no, it's bollocks. Because Tom Willis has been in and around that squad for the last two years, and Haskell hasn't for four years. That's you. You literally proved my point. I, I think Furbank's almost a red herring because you know what? Once events went down as they did, he had he almost well, he had to choose between Smith and Furbank. 
and it, we don't know how fit Smith was, although he looked pretty decent when he came on. But mate, if he wasn't, if he wasn't, if he wasn't fully fit, then there's no chance he would have even made the bench. Like, what would be the point in playing him if he wasn't 100 percent fit, even on the bench, knowing that he'd have to play some part? Well, yeah, but all, all I'm saying is it's not, it's not Furbank's fault. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's um, not and he did pretty well. But you know, I think Doug's point is that they're going to that maybe they're practicing going to a World Cup with two fly halves and Furbanker's cover. Um, yeah, and then you've got, but you've also got um, Malins to put in that Slade, bracket. But then, yeah, it's it. I just found it. But I Malins found it injured, odd. So they couldn't have done yeah, anything. No. And so, may and maybe maybe. Like, if it if Malins wasn't injured, it would have been Malins that did that job. You could probably yeah. argue that that would have been the case. Probably, yeah. So it's, it's a, right. so again, it's it's a circumstance. It's all to do with circumstance, and it was a bit of an unprecedented situation. But, but it Mike, was last minute. What, what I was, what I'm also saying is, I don't think that they should be completely ruling Ford out at this point because you know I take your point about the World Cup final, but. Any fly half under that pressure would have struggled, um, and I, I think he's he is you know running every game for Leicester at the moment, and so maybe not at the moment, but at some point in the next two years, then I think he's got to be back in contention. Um, you know, writing him I think, off because they lost the World Cup final would be like writing off every other player. I'm writing him off because happened. they lost the World Cup final, Phil. I'm writing him off because he's had ten years of not winning much and not. And, and going through, dip, and and you could say the same about Ben Youngs. He goes through dips in form that are so vast that Eddie has clearly gone. We are not winning anything with this bloke. That he's that's not really, what he's I not. He's not said that about Youngs. <laughs> no, clearly, but then he he doesn't see anyone as being as good as Tom Youngs, Ben Youngs. Whereas there clearly are players that are as good as George Ford, if well, better than George Ford. I think, uh, um, and where I really struggle with it is George Ford has never been given the opportunity that Furbank was given on Saturday of having oh, he has. A, a hard running 12 outside him and a ball playing 13 because he's always had Farrell there. No, he has. He's, he's George Ford has played and captained England. In those exact matches where he's had a hard run in 12 and slayed at 13. I remember George Ford playing 10 against Samoa. In fact, the very game that I mentioned earlier where I went to Twickenham to watch and I'm sure Ford captained England from 10. I can't remember who played 12, but Slade was definitely at 13. And it was it was that... It was that exact thing that, that we were talking about. So without sort of agreeing too much with Doug, I guess it's why why go back why go backwards? You know, he's he's not moved fully on. He, clearly, he's not moved on from Ben Youngs yet. But the likes of Quirk and Randall and Mitchell are, are there, pretty much breathing down his neck. And I don't think it's going to be too long. Having watched Leicester at the weekend in in dispatches, that Van Poorfleet's going to be around that um, around that arena as well, and Ben Youngs might even be seen as that 
you know, third choice or the just the experienced scrum half to be around those those young lads. And I mean, England, England's, you know, England's, um, what's the keys to England? They've, they've not changed. The pack needs to get on top of whoever they're playing. They need a couple of carriers in the pack who can punch holes and they need Tuilagi to be fit because without Tuilagi in the team, you end up with a long line of 10 stroke 12s. And, and you need, he's the only basher that England really have. It's a bit unfair to call him a basher because he's, he's a very good rugby player. But, you know, he's, he's the, the only hard carrying centre that England really have who, who's of that quality to, to make a difference. And, and without him, they look toothless. And with him... At that level, 100%. There are plenty... We, we, well, Mark, let, let's take Mark, Mark Atkinson as an example. Mark Atkinson is a decent player, right? Thoroughly big, deserves a cap, but he's not, you know, he's not in the same class. He's not, he's not going to change the game for you at 12 against New Zealand in a World Cup final or South Africa it, it, or whatever. Exactly. I mean, I mean, we were watching the game, uh, you know, on Saturday um, after our game and it was, it was England had a line out 10 metres out and, you know, we all just looked at each other and went, why overcomplicate it? Just run to a laggy at them. Because the worst that's going to happen is he's going to suck in two, ca- two tacklers and make two yards. It's the worst that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then you're on the front foot. Um, so, yeah, you know, England, it, it's, it's the same old problem. It's, it's getting the pack right and getting a bit of carry forward from the backs. Easy yards. Fair enough. Well, how do we see it going then on Saturday against Australia? Uh, I think England will win by 10. So just so you know, Phil, you need to, if you get this one, you and Ben will share the week. Um, uh, I've got England I, by eight. Well, I've already said England by 10. So. So if you've both, oh, you both gone England by 10 and I've gone England by eight. Yeah, and it's actually yeah. England by 12. So oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Ben wins for the second week in a row. I hate I'll this fucking game. Stupid game. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, Doug, Doug do you never get, do you never get to play this game then? No, because I, I I did it. I did uh, work. Yeah, but you could you could do your predictions first. I mean, I could. I'll, maybe I'll do it next week. Any other business? Doug. Yeah. I don't care about anybody's political views or how wonderfully diverse they are or how much they are just the, the greatest person on planet Earth. Please stop ramming your political views down my throats on your crappy podcasts. Ooh. Fair enough. Whose podcast have you been listening to? Oh, uh, quite a few. Okay. I just don't care about their, you know, just if I'm tuning into you to listen to you talk about um, the latest TV shows, talk about the latest TV shows. Don't use it as a platform to tell me how much you love trans people. I don't care. There you go. Phil? 
So I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that we've ordered a shepherd's hut. Singular. Um, And the company we went with, yes, singular. Um, And the company we ordered with, uh, we ordered it back in March. Literally one. One shepherd's hut. (laughs) You're such a prick. Yes. Um, And, uh, yeah, the the company we went with, we went with them because they uh, guaranteed delivery. We ordered it in March, guaranteed delivery by 20th of June. So there's a company called Garden Hideouts, and I'm going to name them twice now, Garden Hideouts. So 20th of June, we were promised it would be delivered. It turned up on the 2nd of August, um, and it turned up with no wheels on it, no tow bar, door was all crooked, cut edges of tin sticking out all over the place. The door into the bathroom has massive gouges out of it amongst a list of other problems. So I went back to them and said, look, this is a pile of shit. Um, literally said that. And um, what are we going to do about it? So negotiated a discount and he said, we'll get it all um, sighted because obviously you can't put it somewhere if it doesn't have wheels. Um by the end of September, and we'll give you a bit of discount. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Finally got it into place on Monday, so that's November. Um, So missed out on an entire season's worth of potential rental income, which was the whole reason we bought the bloody thing as an investment. Um, Still hasn't got wheels on it, so it's just sat on struts. Um, And still finding more and more problems with it. A guy has been an absolute nightmare to deal with. He's flat out lied to us about things that have been said. Um, and I've called him out on it and showed him the, the emails where agreements have been made. Um, and he still denies it. So if anybody's looking at a home or a garden room or a shepherd's hut or a garden pod or a commercial room, don't go anywhere near garden hideouts. They're a bunch of fucking criminals. Well, that's there me. You go. There you go. There you go. Garden hideouts, everyone. Avoid criminals. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Matt. All right, Ben. I always enjoy um, Dougie's TV reviews. So I was going to suggest that we um, expand the conglomerate to the Switch Over podcast. I'm game. I've got a. I've got a. Uh... I've got a podcast um, hub on Anchor for the Game of the Week podcast that I can't be bothered to ever do, but I'll talk about telly, gladly. Idea for a podcast. <laughs> anyway, Ben. Name, name your time and space, Ben. We could try it. Let's do it. I imagine it'll be the exact same people that listen to this that listen to it. Yeah, and it'll be a lot of <laughs> episode one, Alan Partridge. Yeah. <laughs> there is an Alan Partridge podcast. Have you ever listened to it? It's called Monkey Tennis. You have to pay for it, don't you? You didn't, unless you do now. But it's it's not Alan Partridge. It's a load of guys talking about every episode of Alan Partridge. <laughs> Anyway, Ben, any other business? Or was that your only other business? Uh, I, I was just trying to think of something to say, really. Uh, rather than just saying nothing. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I haven't really got anything um, other than living in my den for a bit until, uh, as we started the podcast, I'll 
finish it in the same way as we started it. So uh, hopefully, you know, all the tests come back negative tomorrow. But, you know, I quite like it in the den on my own. That's, that's how, how long before you go full uh, Tom Hanks and have a volleyball as a friend? How long is it before you need to go back into the house to get the vanish to wipe the stain off the sofa? <laughs> Franz stain or Mornay stain. <laughs> anyway, I mean, stubborn stains. Is that this week's podcast title? <laughs> Russ's crusty <laughs> sofa. <laughs> I mean, you've sat on it. <laughs> the sofa, right? <laughs> Right, let's go. Anyway, thanks very much for for listening. Bit of pleasure, and we will see you all next week. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.